0: Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find church, family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Starting the second week of a message called Endgame and we're going to go into that but just to frame it for you the the title's endgame it's living between the cross and his return and i put, i made this little picture for you because i want you to see kind of where we're at in the time of life where what age we're at where we're at and i just i want you to see this and i think in pictures and bullet points So maybe this will help you if you're like me and you think in pictures and bullet points. But Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for our sins. He paid the price we couldn't pay. All right, I want that to be clear. He paid for something, that a debt that I owed that I couldn't pay. And he cleansed me of my sins. And then he ascended to heaven and took his seat at the right hand of the Father. And he sent the Spirit of God. And that's in Acts chapter 2. Um, it came down. And we are here where this has already happened, where he's paid our price and he sent his spirit. And now we are here waiting for his return. And, and for me to say that I'm waiting for the return of Christ, which almost sounds mystical and miraculous and, and ridiculous, that's a big thing for me because I want you to know something about me is, is, is I come from like a very strong, before I was a believer, I was an atheist and like an antagonistic atheist where I, I, I really would make fun of Christians. I would make fun of the Bible. I, I, I could use the Bible... To mess with people's minds. So much so that like when I became a believer, I basically had to say like my act of faith is to read this and to believe this and to base my life on it. Like if I said I'm going to believe in Jesus, I had to take this book and really just say, man, I believe it and just go with it. And um, the antagonistic side didn't change too much. Uh, In Bible school, I went to Bible school and uh, they had this class where you had to lead each other to the Lord in front of the class. Like, they had all these Bible students that wanted to be pastors. And so they put me up there, and somebody had to lead me to the Lord. And, like, I almost took his faith away. You know, I had to repent. I was like, I'm sorry. I pulled out scriptures that he had never even read because he had never even read his Bible. And I was like, well, what about this? And what about that? And, and that quote is wrong, and it compares to this. And, you know, I had to repent. So if you have any f- hard time... Um, believing the Bible just know that I've wrestled with some things in it too and there's some things in it that I've I've prayed about and I've searched through but but I really believe it's true and this is the story that it tells is that the cross has happened it's done it is finished the spirit is sent he is here he is with us and Jesus is coming back and so the question I have to answer for myself and that I want our church to be able to answer is is so like what do we do now if this has happened, like, how do we live? And so I'm going to attempt to do that, and I'm going to pray and invite the Lord to help me out, and then we will talk um, a little bit more. But Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your spirit. We pray that you would be glorified today, and that your word would be spoken, and that we could learn something and grow in the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name. Now we're going to read a crazy story. This is going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. It's in the book of Acts uh, chapter 19 verse 13 and so we're going to turn there. We're going to read through it. It's also one of my most favorite stories but it is wild so I'm going to preface it with that and so I'll read through it and try to explain what's going on. It says a group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. These were not believers. They were Jewish people. They were people that were um, followers of Moses. Um, If you read some of the historical documents outside of the Bible, there's um, stories, and you know, this is just free, all right? This is free, it doesn't cost you anything. But there were stories that outside of biblical writing, Solomon had actually written down ways for the Jews to cast out evil spirits. And so they were known throughout the ancient world um, to be able to do this. And yes, we're talking about evil spirits today. And I I do want to say, I I do believe evil spirits are real, but I also believe this chair is real, okay? And I don't want to overemphasize evil spirits, but I do believe that they are real. And it says, they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation. Solomon had actually, according to the historical record, had given them some, some things that they could do to expel evil spirits. And so they had these other writings that they're not in the Bible, but they didn't have access to back then. And so they tried to add Jesus into that mix. They took what they already had from their previous documents, and they had seen the disciples go around and Jesus' followers using the name of Jesus in their incantation using the name of Jesus like a magic word, hocus pocus, open sesame. And they wanted to add it in there as they went around doing what they did. And they said, I command you, they're talking to some spirits, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. And this is why I love this story. The seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time, when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And in verse 16, it says, The man with the evil spirits leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. That's awesome. Come on now. There's good stuff in the Bible. Verse 17, it says, And the story of what happened quickly spread throughout all Ephesus to the Jews and to the Greeks, and a solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. But I want to pay special attention to verse 14, I'm sorry, 15, where it says, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And I think that's a question that you need to be able to answer about yourself. Um, See, I believe the spiritual world is real. I do think, and I want to qualify this, so hear me and don't think I'm saying something that I'm not. There are real physical ailments. People also have mental ailments that are not spiritually related. There are physical ailments in people's brains that also affect the way they think. Not everybody who acts like a weirdo is demon-possessed. Some people suffer depression or anxiety or, or all kinds of things, and that is not a demon. I'm not saying that every single thing somebody faces is a demon, but I will tell you that demons are real. And if you read the Bible and you go through the, from the Gospels through Acts through the rest of the book, um, it does seem to say that demons can afa- affect people mentally. But you know what? Some people, you have trauma. You don't have a demon. You have trauma. You have pain. You have hurt. You you might have a, a deficiency in your physical body. But I do believe the demonic realm is real. I want to put that out there. And this evil spirit was clear to say, I know Jesus, and I know Paul. But who are you? They were nobody in the spirit. They weren't doing something that they should have been doing. And that's the first thing you can write in. Who are you? It's the question that you have to be able to answer. Like, who are you? Are you using the name of Jesus in Christianity like an incantation? Or are you saved by his blood and filled with his spirit? I don't know who you are. Some of you I do. And some of you, I really believe I see the fruit of the Spirit, and I know you're not perfect, just like I'm not perfect, but I see God working in your life, and he hasn't given up on you, and so I don't want to freak anybody out, but you need to ask yourself, who are you? And the way you can do it is not by the words you say or the incantation of saying in the name of Jesus, but what's coming out of your life as much as what's coming out of your mouth. Because if not, you're playing with something that you shouldn't be playing with. People that have misused the name of Jesus and have clothed themselves in false Christianity, you're playing with fire. You're playing with judgment. And the way the world is going, it's time for the real body of Christ, like Caleb said, to be the body of Christ, to be filled with His Spirit. You have to know yourself. And when I say that is in in this time, in between the cross and his return, know yourself. Don't judge others. I don't point out anybody in this room or anybody in my life and say, oh, you're a bad person because you're doing this, or oh, you're a good person because you're doing this. But I try to look in the mirror at Chris. Do you look in your mirror and spend as much time observing your spirit as you do your physical body? Do you look in the mirror of your life and say, am I showing unconditional love? Am I loving my wife the way she needs to be loved, or your husband, or or your neighbor, or your kids? Am am, am I showing forgiveness? Am Am I pure? Or am I doing things that I know are wrong? And I'm not telling you what's right or wrong, but I know what the Spirit has told me. And I know that when I disobey what God has told me to do, because I do sometimes, I feel bad about it. But I repent and I say, God, forgive me and your mercy is real and the cross is real. And so in this time, you have to know yourself because I believe even the demonic realm will know if you're real. So you might as well have an idea. Paul, the guy that The Demons Knew, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, Understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. I'm not trying to be a weirdo, the world is ending tomorrow, but I just like, you know, kind of watch the news, kind of see what's going on. And I'm not saying that people don't say this all the time, because they do. I can find quotes from, I think it's uh, Socrates talking about how children are just so rebellious. And that was a few thousand years ago. So I don't think it's, you know, anything new. But these are the last days for the last thousands of years. It's the last days. And I want you to say, what will the difficulty look like? And I pray this doesn't look like you, that you don't look like this. We're going to read the scripture. And I pray that you don't find yourself in these verses. I pray that I don't find myself in these verses, but let's just take a look. Because we want to know who you are, and I want you to know who you are. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of self. Now, there you do have to love yourself, love your neighbor as you love yourself, but this is an unhealthy, excessive love of self. And then it rolls right into lovers of money. Proud arrogant, abusive. Last night, as I'm going to bed, I flipped through my phone, checking the news, and I saw these two girls just, and I I work in education, that's where I make my money, so I, I pay attention to education news stories a lot because that's what I do, and I use them in trainings and things. But there were two girls that just went up to this teacher at her desk chair, and they looked middle school or young high school, and they were just unloading on this teacher. Just beating her down, blow after blow after blow after blow after blow. It's about 45 or so seconds, I don't know, but they were just unloading. There's a different feel in the atmosphere. There's a different feel. But when you're so in love with yourself that you get proud, then you become arrogant and then you become abusive because who are you lady to tell me anything you going to tell me to take notes me disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy gratefulness verse 3 Heartless, unappeasable, nothing makes them happy. Slanderous, that's talking crap, if you don't know what that word means. You talk junk, you talk garbage. I'm not saying you, you personally, you individually, but that's what's going to happen. Without self-control. Brutal. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. Not loving good. Treacherous. There's some people that are treacherous. I don't think it's you guys in this room, and I'm not pointing anything. I'm just saying, here's what will happen to some people, and I hope it doesn't, ha- I hope that's not you or me. Because every single thing on this board could very easily be Chris. I feel most of these things all of the time. Trust me, cut me off in traffic. Every single one of these things, well up inside, treacherous. I want to run you off the road. I want to crash you reckless. You're not getting in front of me. Swollen with conceit. And a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. Having the appearance of godliness and this, this is a weird twist at the end. I want you to look at verse 5. A weird twist at the end because it says, having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. So even though they're doing all this, in verse 5, they put this little bow, this sticker of godliness or morality or rightness, and they're rotten to the core, which I could very well be, but by the grace of God, that's me. I don't know about you, but I'm on the edge of this, God holds me back every minute. I'm on the edge of this because without Christ, I am not a good person. But having an appearance of godliness, they dress themselves up to look good on the outside, but they deny its power. They deny its power to really change them and to work in them and to make them different. Avoid such people. And I say this because I'm somebody that has dealt with self-love. Self-love is empty. I've dealt with self-love. I've dealt with making myself the God of my own life. And even though you can write that in, self-love is empty, the next thing you can write in is that it leads to the love of money to fulfill the love of pleasure. This was my story before Christ. As I love myself, I was prideful and I was arrogant. But I was empty in myself, so I needed to find a way to make money, illegally, because working was too hard, but doing bad stuff was easy and fun, to fulfill my own pleasures, to fulfill what I wanted to do. Because without pleasure, I was stuck in this emptiness. And I became brutal and abusive, and, and everything in those scriptures, that is me without the power of Christ, but I do not deny its pow- his power. I do not deny his power to take me and to pick me up and to change me. And I'm not like I was. But I want you to know who you are. Do those scriptures paint the story of your life? Or do they paint the story of what Christ has saved you from? Do they paint the story of who you are or who you were, who you don't want to be? The love of money. starting this church and making the decision. I did everything the church planning people told me to do except for take a salary. That was the only thing I've not done, not saying I never will, but I've not done yet in two and a half years. And it's almost killed me. I don't mean that lightly. My wife could tell you it's almost killed me. But I got tired of people saying that we're just doing this for money. I ain't doing it for money. So bite me. Sorry, that was wrong. But I'm not doing it. Yeah, see, I'm not perfect. I told you. But I'm not doing this for money. I'm not selling anything. We don't sell anything in here first couple months we forgot to even take an offering now I think giving is good and I think if you're not giving me and my wife give like giving is good and it's it's a good thing and we'll talk about that and I appreciate everybody who gives and there's people in this church that give faithfully and I'm not putting giving down but there's no love of money here there's no love of money and I want because that that makes a difference and there's certainly no love of pleasure Putting these chairs down, and not, it's not pleasurable. Nothing pleasurable about these chairs. Nothing pleasurable about some of the stuff that we do, but it's good. And that's why we encourage people to come, share the load, serve two times a month. Maybe you can come two times a month in the morning, help set up, or stay two times a month in the afternoon, help us put stuff up, help us greet, help us with kids. because it's not about our own pleasure. It's not about our own life. Um, let's keep going. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, and these are really, this is really good and encouraging, and I'm, you know, I know it's, uh, it's hard, but, you know, some of the scripture is a little hard. Uh, verse 21 of Matthew, chapter 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Ah! There's no magic word. There's no magic incantation. Not everyone who says that but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. If you have a problem with those scriptures, take it up with Jesus. Verse 22. On that day, he's talking about his return in that picture. Let's go back up to that picture real quick because I want you to understand. On that day when he returns and resets things and makes things right, on that day, many, many, will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many great things in your name? That's verse 22. In verse 23, he says, and I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The last point I want to make, and this is what I really feel God has put on my heart for our church for today, is we have to know jesus and he has to know us so when i started off with the question of who are you see we hide ourselves we don't say who we truly are we don't say who what's really going on we don't we don't open ourselves up to god and say god this is this is, this is me, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I, I trust in your mercy for my mistakes, and I trust in your grace that you love me even though I'm not perfect, and I, I know I'm forgiven, but I also know I'm empowered and I'll change, and, and if I stumble, I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to keep moving forward, and God, I'm broken and I'm empty without you. Like That's the attitude. That's the place. That's, that's where you really get to know Jesus, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to make that happen for you. Like, I want you to know Jesus, and I want you to love Jesus, and I I want you to meet Jesus because Jesus is so good, and he has to know us. Having an appearance of godliness but denying its power, coming to church is great, and I'm grateful you're here and you're beautiful people, but don't have the appearance. Have it in your heart. The best worship time, and I'm not not bragging, I'm just being honest. My best worship time in so long, and can you say something like this, was our dog took a dump (laughs) and our Roomba thing, it's a cheap knockoff Roomba, I don't even know what they call it, but it's not a real Roomba because it's cheaper than that, but it ran over it and then I had to clean it out. I put on a worship song. Now listen to me. We're not going to do that on Sunday mornings. We're not going to add that to what we do here. But I sat there because that's what dads have to do sometimes is the poopy jobs, you know. And so I sat there, and I had to clean it out, and it took forever. But I put on a worship song, and I was there, but I wasn't there. I was just loving on Jesus, and my heart was full of him, and I was, it was good. It was awesome and and it really made that a better experience than it could have been. I'm not saying to try to set your worship time up like that. But what I'm saying is, 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 do you have a time like that? Can you think back to the last time where you sat there with God and your heart was full of love and thankfulness? And I was like, God, I'm, I'm so imperfect, but you love me anyway. And God, I'm, I'm just, I just love you and you're good and thank you and... And I mean, even in the midst of the worst situation, have you had a moment like that? Do you know him? Do you know him? Does he know you? And, like, you want him to know you. Does he know your name? Have you been real with him? Here I am, God. Not perfect. But that's why... um, I wanted to encourage you today because I think God deeply loves you guys and he wants to, to meet with you and, and to be with you and and life is fun and it's good and it's hard and it's tough but he's there in the good times and the bad times so would you bow your heads with me for a second I don't know where you're at. and I'm not trying to judge anybody because I'm probably the last person in this room that should be standing up here. It's by the grace of God that I'm still alive and I'm not a good person outside of Christ. But he's changed my life. And he's made me new. And I feel like I know him through Jesus. I feel like I as I have believed in him that that somehow I can pray and God hears me and he loves me and and I can pick myself up and and I know God is real I don't know if that's you I don't know how your relationship with God is but everything in me wants you to have a relationship with God Everything in me wants you to love Jesus and, and to know Him. That you would know Him and you know how much He loves you. Everything in me wants you to know that it's not just a story in a book, but it was something that God did for you. And that He's like sitting here saying, I love you and I want you, and just be real. Be open. You could be broken. I'll heal you you could be sinful and I can forgive you I can fix you I can change you he loves you deeply but if you'd be honest maybe in this room with every head down and every eye closed just for a few seconds give people their privacy if you'd be honest before God and say God I I need my relationship with you fixed. I need it fresh. I need to be stirred up. I need to come back home. If that's you, would you put your hand up wherever you're at? Amen. (rire) on Bob <rire> <rire>